This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, Dry Your Eyes Scotland, we're going to Qatar. United must find some harmony. And the butcher sells Dundee to the Sweeney. Hello, I'm Callum Woodger and welcome to another edition of Twa Teams One Street. As ever, I am joined by George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan is here as well. Hello, everyone. Bear, how's the weather doing? It's uh, It's been a glorious few weeks. It's, well, it has. I mean, it is glorious again today, I've got to say, Callum. Um, it's absolutely stunning out there, but there is a, a, a sense of despondency across the land <laughs> this morning, isn't there? Let's be honest, after after the Scotland uh performance last night and, and the result more so um, so it doesn't really matter what the weather is like today I'm afraid um, we're going to be struggling to put uh, the bright side on it during the podcast but we'll do our best as always as always Abs- absolutely we'll try our best George you look like you're uh, sitting comfortably in your conservatory there sweating out a little bit <laughs> yeah having to shut the door uh, to record this podcast it's, it's, it's pretty warm in here I have to say Okay, let's get cracking. Let's talk Scotland, unfortunately, crashing out of Euro 2020. On Tuesday night, last night, as we record the show, it was a 3-1 defeat to Croatia at Hamden that sealed our fate. Obviously, since we last recorded as well, Scotland have played England, and that was a 0-0 draw at Wembley. A decent display there, but um, George, how do we reflect on the tournament as a whole and, and how we performed in the three games? Obviously, finishing bottom of the group isn't ideal, but so close, yet so far. Yeah, that, well, that's the positive we can take out. We did across the three games. I, I don't think we. I, th- I thought the game against Croatia was by far our probably worst performance. But I, th- I think across the games, we we had a lot of good things uh, that we can we can take from it. Created so many chances. Obviously, missing the, the final touch, and and Croatia showed they've got that final touch and, and put us to the sword, at Hamden. Um, does it, you could say we haven't been at a tournament since what ninety eight, so you can take that as a big positive that we've taken this step. Hopefully, the players have learned a hell of a lot from uh, from these. Well, it's only been what a week, a couple of weeks. Um, but my biggest disappointment is the kind of the promised so much more. The the team we've got good players and we played some good stuff at times, but we just fell short in the in the moments that really mattered. And and that's what's most frustrating because we could have done a lot more. I felt we could have done a lot more against Croatia. I'm not sure uh, we, we set up right. I don't. I don't think the big decisions. Uh, I don't think Steve Clark kind of went the right way with the big decisions last night. Uh, I think we could have tried to. Uh, Negate Croatia's obvious obvious talent in the middle of the park and and a bit better, but they kind of outplayed us in the middle, and that was I was disappointed because we've got the energy and we've got quality in the middle of the park, but we mm. we didn't really show it uh, yeah. enough. And there's there are lessons to be learned, and hopefully we will learn it and somehow find a goal scorer between now and when it matters for World Cup qualifying. Yeah, we just seem to be maybe lacking a wee bit at the at the top end of the park. Bear, you saw Lyndon Diggs again putting himself about against Croatia. You saw Che Adams sort of getting himself in the right positions, but nothing really seeming to to fall for us. Maybe a little bit lack of quality there in, in Croatia with guys like Modric and Perisic have just got that wee bit extra than us. 
Well, that's that's a fact, Callum. In, in Modric and Persis and Dyson Chi Adams, no disrespect to the two of them, but uh, I don't know what it is about Scottish football at the moment, Callum. It's been like this for for a while. <laughs> We're producing a lot of quality players, but none of them are at the top end mm. of the pitch where it could really could really bring us on. I mean, you're looking at Adams and Dykes. Adams was born in Leicester, I think, and Lyndon Dykes is Australian. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. we're really, really struggling for a nation that, you know, when I was a wee laddie getting brought up, everybody wanted to be a striker. Mm. You know, everybody wanted to score goals, and I'm sure it was the same for you guys. Everybody wanted to score goals, and I don't know where we're going wrong in the coaching manuals. Ever, ever, we're trying to teach players to be technically fantastic when, when, when they're doing all these coaching classes, and we're, we're taking away their, their natural instinct to find a goal scorer. You know, a, a real quality striker like the Dennis Law or Ali McCoy. You know, somebody of that ilk that, that can that can sneak a goal. Out of, out of nothing we're really toiling at the top end of the pitch because we've got good players we've got good players in the team we've seen the emergence of uh, Billy Gil- Gilmore that's one of the positives from this tournament I know he's only made one start and, but we're going to be building the next campaign around him that, that's for sure I would imagine and there'll be one or two others Nathan Parsons obviously obviously he's shown up well um, in what he's done in the in the, in the, the sort of pre-tournament friendlies and, and his, his show a brief show on in the games but we've got other players in there as well, you know. We've got we've got McGinn's going to be around. We've got McGregor. We've got McTominay. You've got Tierney. You've got Robinson. You've got quality players there. Yeah. But we need to find something at the top end of the pitch that is going to make a difference for us. As for the the Croatia game itself, yeah, really disappointing. I mean, you know, it's a pure first goal. I think I think uh, Andy Robertson's a wee bit of slow getting out. The cross comes in the box. O'Donnell doesn't do too well at the back post with Heather. McTominay's on his heels with a goal down. But we get ourselves back into the game. Hmm. Great goal. Great goal from Carl McGregor. Right foot too, eh? Right in the bottom corner. And I'm sure you guys were like me. You know, I was actually working last night at that point in time and so were you. So I was sitting here and almost knocked my laptop off the bloody table when I jumped up and, you know, when Scotland scored. I'm sure I was right across the line <laughs> because there was a real sense. There was a real sense of hope at that point that Scotland could go on and actually actually do it. Um, but, you know, to be fair, Croatia always looked as though they had, had more quality. Going into the, the tournament, everybody was going talking about the England game. England, you know, what a game that was. But you always, if you, if you look closely, Croatia was always going to be the toughest game. They were in the World Cup final three years ago and they've still got remnants of that team, more than remnants of that team. They've still got world-class players, as we saw in the part. Modric's second goal for Croatia was sensational. Outside of the right foot, Paul McGowan-esque, I would say. <laughs> you know, the way he curled it past David Marshall into that corner. And at that point in time, Scotland lost it a wee bit, but I felt that the, they were trying to push too hard too soon. I think there was one instance where we were 2-1 down. There's 20 minutes to go. There's 20 minutes to go in this game. And David Marshall got the ball, I think, from a set piece. And he launched it. We were doing too much of that, I think. He launched it yeah. something yards. And, and you, have you watched the ball going to the park? He took out eight Scotland players straight away. There was a gap of about 40 yards between the, the Scotland midfield and Lyndon Dykes and Chi Adams, who was desperately trying to make up ground. You, you, you know, we were, we're pushing too hard to soon and to try a play our way back into the game. Because believe me, as I said on the chat last night, if Scotland had scored, we would have seen just how strong Croatia were. And what a, I'll tell you what, if Scotland scored, what a brilliant t- last 10 minutes or so that would have been because it would have been wide open. Somebody had to go and get a goal mm. and there would have been chances at either end. 
But as it turned out, we were rushing things a wee bit too much, going too long too soon, and then the, the killer goal, the third goal, if you watch uh, Modric on the corner, I'm not sure if you saw it, he, he makes a wee gesture with, his, gesture with his hands before he takes it. Perisic is onto that. You know, Modric knows he's going to put a right on his sixpence for, for Perisic, and what a leap it is from the guy. He must he must leap about, up, you know, I'm not yeah. sure what height he is. He's maybe about, you know, just under six foot, but he's jumped about eight foot in the air. <laughs> Great header, glances it in, you know, and it's, it's in, and it's, and it's game over for Scotland. So, you know, it, it's got wrenching, it's got wrenching for us, but it was, it was a tough, tough, tough group. You know, I, I, I think when you look at it, and the, I think you go back to that first game, the first game against the Czech Republic was vital that we picked up mm. a win in that game, and we all said that. But all said that, it has come back to bite us. I've also got to say that, you know, we need a wee bit of rubber of the green, and, and maybe it's just me, but I don't think we've got any of the breaks at all throughout the tournament. You know, we've, we've had a couple of goals scored against us that have been absolutely, you know, Schick's goal in for the Czech Republic and, and Modric's goal last night. Sensational, but nothing really broke for us, so... Well, um, yeah, 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 to that, sorry, yeah. but, uh, Grant Hanley has been superb over this. Yeah. The and three games, off. and then he gets injured in the first half. He... he, he he goes off. One thing I will say, we've now got a taste for tournament football again. Yeah. I hope that rubs off on the group because that's the secret, keeping yourself in there. You know, we're not saying we're going to be world beaters, but surely surely we can be like Wales and get, get to the tournaments on a regular basis. I mean, Northern Ireland, we're doing it for a few years there. We've got to keep ourselves in there and hopefully over the next few years, we find that Dennis Law that is going to make the, the big difference for Scottish football going forward. We're not calling Dennis up again, are we? The law man. He's the law man. <laughs> but I think that that point of it's, a, it's almost like a change in attitude across the country of not just the players and the managers and all that and the media, it's, it's the fans as well buying into the national team again and getting excited about it. Kids at school getting to watch the games and fan parks and albeit yeah it was reduced attendances but people getting to go to Hamden and Wembley to watch these games it should hopefully give people um, more of an appetite for the national team again because I think it would have been sort of people would, had lost interest for a great number of years um, you know probably probably since sort of very soon after 1998 people just sort of fell out of love with the, the national team but um, yeah I can only agree with what you were saying and, and I think with, with the boy, the disappointing thing about Croatia was there was so much buoyancy after the England game. Um, mm-hmm. we, we put in a really strong performance, and um, yeah, albeit we didn't quite have that finishing touch or um, wee bit of quality in the final third, but there, there were plenty of chances. And even in the Croatia game, uh, John McGinn has that chance as well. It, it, it was it was it one each at the time still yeah. or two one. Yeah. Maybe? I, I thought I thought, exactly, I thought he should have heard it, Callum. I thought he should have went with his head. I think if he'd gone with his head and just stuck that big meatball head on and. <laughs> Knocked it past the goalkeeper. It didn't win, yeah. I think if he'd, if he'd gone with his right foot, even, because it yeah. comes out, I saw it again just before we come on, and it comes off the top of his left foot when his right foot's the back foot. So I don't know, he just, it just didn't go for him. When you're a left footer like that, your, your, your instinct's just to go with the left foot all the time because it's so awkward being on the right. But um, yeah, I mean, it's hard, he's one of the guys it's hard to criticise. He had a fantastic I tournament. Know. I think he was Scotland's mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. player, and he's a guy that. You know, going forward, we've probably got to look to to be the sort of talisman, build the team around guys like him, Kieran Tierney, who we missed massively in the first game, and you mentioned it as well, Bear. I think that's that's the big one. I think I don't know if it was because of the the, the way we were going into the Croatia game after the the England result, people were sort of um, underestimating Croatia and, and writing them off a wee bit. But you know, this is still a top class team. They were World Cup finalists in in 2018. You know, us realistically going and beating them. I know it was at Hamden. 
was always a tall order, but beating the Czech Republic at Hamden, a team we'd beaten a few times in yeah. the not so distant past, that was a big one. And, and Steve Clark, maybe he won't say it publicly, but I'm sure he's, and you can tell from his, his team selections for the other two games that he'll maybe have some regrets about how he lined up for that first game um, and the way they approached it. Because if, if they'd won that, um, got the point at, at Wembley, they'd have been sitting through right now and we'd be talking about a last 16 clash and Croatia wouldn't have mattered a job. I mean, we could have just enjoyed Modric tearing us apart. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think overall, as a, speaking as a, a younger person who's never actually really seen Scotland play at that stage, it was just... Um, it was just a great experience yeah. and hopefully, you know, the young guys in that team, all my age or a lot younger, you know, they'll be buoyed by that as well um, and wanting to, to get us back in, in, in the not so distant future. Obviously, we have the World Cup qualifiers coming up in September. We're sitting quite well in that group, sit, sitting second. Uh, George, we've got some really tough games though, away to Denmark, away to Austria. We've seen them in this tournament, how how strong those teams are and uh, Moldova at home as well. Um, but you know, we should be hopeful that they can go in and do something in those, you'd think. I, I guess so, but even though it's all the way in <laughs> I September, so. I, can't, I, on, can't, I can't even, I can't be doing with thinking about Scotland again. I've had enough. A week, <laughs> three games is enough. Uh, so frustrated last night. Just because, it was, it was more because I, I, what we've just talked about now, the good things we've got in our team and the good players and stuff, I just don't think we showed it against Croatia or maybe, maybe they didn't let us show it, but, um, Aye, I think obviously Denmark away be tough. Should be beating Moldova at home. Austria have good players, but I wasn't overly impressed with them in the group stages. Although they're probably going to get to the semi final or something. <laughs> now that I've said that because I mean I was one of the ones writing off Croatia last night, uh, thinking we'd would steamroller them, would our youth and energy would come over the top of them, but they they taught us a bit of a lesson, I think, in the middle of the park. Uh, bye. No. We just, we just, we're just missing a striker, really. We, we said it before about the Czech Republic game. If we had a guy like Schick, yeah, we'd have won that game if he was in the other team, and and we probably could have went and won it, won at Wembley and done something against Croatia. I mean, that's 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 the difference. When we're talking about about luck, sometimes that comes down to quality. So, good players are lucky players sometimes, uh, and I think we're just missing quality in in probably in both boxes I think at the back or maybe shorter a, a really dominant centre back although Grant Halley stepped up to the plate mm. um, but I'm I'm always optimistic and I think we've got loads about us uh, it's up to Steve Clark I guess to, to re- really get the the best out of the best out of what he's got Grant Halley's rapid by the way I didn't realise that till this tournament started he's like know. Usain Bolt on speed I mean don't do drugs Kids or people listening, but he's 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 absolutely lightning. Unbelievable! I could not believe it for a guy who's like what six foot three and he's built like built like a yeah. tank. He can he can shift it, can't he? But uh, he proved he proved a few people wrong actually. I think he did. Uh, yeah, was was pace and uh, he was outstanding through, throughout the games. Um, you know he's a big lad, and I think obviously there's an issue when he's got to turn and, and twist and turn, but. You know, in a straight line, he must be one of the fastest players in that team. <laughs> I, they said they said in the game last night, McTominay was the only one that beats him in the in the right. races. Yeah, for speed in games, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. No, he tells well. you because is a, a machine as well. Yeah, he's been a good player for Scotland, isn't he? Versatile. He's, he's not let us down in either position. He maybe wasn't uh, the best at centre yeah, half. It's maybe not his best position, but. Um, that's what annoyed me last night about the way we, we set up I, I really felt that we were missing McTominay in the middle and I think having a proper defender in there or an experienced defender would have 
improve the defences at the same time. Uh, that's what annoyed me uh, about last night. I, th- I thought McTominay at least would have got close enough to kick somebody, never mind just chasing <laughs> them out, about in the middle of the park. But that's just my axe to grind, I suppose. Yeah, a lot of the debate going into the tournament, going into some of these games was um, who starts, who's in the squad, of course. Um, young guys like Billy Gilmore, Nathan Patterson, David Turnbull were called into the into the pool without having much or any international experience. Um, looking ahead to these World Cup qualifiers, Bear, do we need to sort of shake it up a wee bit in terms of the squad, in terms of starting 11 and maybe push these guys in? Or is there anyone else out there you think Steve Clark should be looking at um, just to keep it fresh more than anything yeah. else? Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember we did qualify, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't think he'd be shaking up too much. Um, he's obviously aware of what what's there. I think that the issue he's got is the, the players that we've spoken about already, the players that are out there waiting to come in are similar type players. You know, it's it's in different areas. We need to find something. Um, but there'll be opportunities. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Gilmore, there's going to be a clamour to get Gilmore in the team. And I think he did fantastically well um, against England. And there's no denying that. But whether he's whether he should be... In the team every every time, I'm 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 not I'm not 100 sure on that. And whether you just you just sort of change your whole your whole squad to just to, to accommodate him and you know Turnbull and uh, maybe Patterson coming in as well and a few other younger lads that could be you know that could be the wrong road to go down. I think I, I think it probably will be. You know you go back to the qualifiers now and we go, we've got Denmark and, and Austria and the, the quality. No disrespect to Denmark and Austria, but but. You know, England and Croatia are, are probably better than I would. I would. I would suggest better yeah. than these two teams. Well, Denmark do remarkably well. I've got to say for for the na- a nation size that are, and they're another another nation that are ultra confident <laughs> that they're mm. going to get through these group stages. Mm. And even, you know, even sort of what happened at the start of the tournament, you know, with, you know Christian Eriksen and things like that, and they lose their games and. They still, you still had a feeling that they were going to get through, and they've done it. They've done it, and it wouldn't surprise me if they can, they get, you know. Yeah. Quarter finals, semi finals. I, 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 I don't think they'll win it. A repeat of 1992, no? <laughs> I was going to say they've yeah, won it. Well, yeah, they, Schmeichel that's again. exactly it. They've <laughs> got a great attitude, and that's something we can maybe sort of, you know, take on board in Scotland. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're sort of a wee bit too downbeat on ourselves at times. You know, we have got good players. I think it's, it's, it's striking a balance. It's like Croatia. You've got your, you've got your two or three really world class players. You've got another two or three who are top top players. The rest of them are technically very good, but they get carried on. They get carried along. These these good players because the, the weight in the team is of class. Then the ones that maybe aren't so good, they'll no spend so long on the ball. They'll just get mm. it to the guy. They do their job and they get it to the guys that can play. And that's that that makes a huge difference in international football. But Steve Clark will, will, will learn lessons himself. I'm sure from from the uh, from the competition. Um, but it's how he it's how he shuffles it up without disrupting what brought them success yeah. in the first place and, and, and that's 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 a tough task the manager's got. Would you go along with that, George, that we maybe need a wee change in mentality? You've seen it in some players like Andy Robertson's quite a good example of that. He's coming out and saying, you know, um you know, that, that kinda wasn't good enough in a way. We, we were wanting to go further and we're not just here to accept qualifying. We need to, to try and have more ambition and maybe change our perspective from we're just happy to be there to actually, you know what, let's go and give it a good go. Yeah, that's a one hundred percent because I'm I'm in that camp. But although it's it's great, it's I I would say that, yeah the base base point should be trying to should be qualifying for tournaments and then trying to have a go. Uh, it's it's going to happen where we get bad draws where 
we're up against really good teams and we don't don't manage to get through. But that that was my biggest. As I've, I've already said, the biggest frustration is we didn't quite meet the the levels we can against Croatia or the le- particular levels we showed against England. Uh, we really didn't do that against Croatia. Um, and I think that that's what will frustrate the players as well, particularly guys like Robertson. It's, He's won the biggest biggest trophies uh, around and is used to winning games of football. Um, the good thing is, we're talking about the squad, but we've got more and more players at the top end of the kind of English Premiership yeah. and, and playing at top level in European football and stuff. There was more and more co- coming through at that kind of level and that seeps into the mindset, even if players are coming up for maybe the, yeah. the bottom end of the Scottish Premiership, they, they kind of get a taste of that. Mm. That mindset, if if you got a captain like Andy Robertson who's used to winning and the, mm. the standards are that high for him, then you can't really fall below that standard, or, or he's going to tell you. So, yeah, and I'm optimistic about the future, but I've been optimistic about the future of Scottish football since I can remember supporting Scotland. So it's not going so now, well since. <laughs> yeah, but the difference now is there's actually something to point to and be like, look what we can yeah, achieve, and and maybe we can go. A bit further, in, and you mentioned the players being exposed to a different environment, like a Premier League environment, or, or playing with Premier League players, and I think the development system as well, you look at Gilmore, Patterson, they came through the performance schools, and there seems to be a bit more of a joined-up way of thinking with the national team um, at mm-hmm. the moment. That, that gives you a wee bit of hope that there's maybe more to come um, going forward, and this is just the start, a wee, maybe a wee launch pad for, for bigger and better things. Um Says me, but I'll probably be fifty in another twenty-three years by the time we <laughs> next qualify for a major tournament. Now, but no, I don't um, think it will be. Actually. That's uh, I'm I'm that optimistic that I think we'll we'll go and qualify again quite soon. Twenty twenty-two World Cup there, we'll be there next year. I hope so. The telly will be sending us. You guys will Yeah, all expenses paid. Yeah. Trip to Qatar. Yep. Remember your factor fifty sun cream, Caldo. I would say. <laughs> it's good. Oh, I know. A wee winter trip to the desert. Pretty warm out there. No, you, that's what I'm saying. But you get a taste for these things, and sometimes, sometimes it ends in disappointment. But you know what? I was. I'm a firm believer. If you you keep knocking at that door, that will open for you. And that's what Scotland have just got to keep doing. They've just got to keep keep themselves in there. Keep qualifying. And uh, it'll just be a matter of time before they eventually get through the, the final stages. Okay, moving on. That is enough Scotland for this week and probably for the next wee while as well. Let's get back to it. Twa teams, one street. And we're going to start with Dundee United. There is great pride in being a Scotland supporter. Win, lose or draw. The saltire flies, the songs are sung, the Hamden roar will be heard. But what was it like in the old days? The days of the huge crowds in the vast Hamden Bowl before it was all seated. If you're old enough, you'll remember. In our new book, We Had a Dream, Scotland Internationals in the Black and White Era, will remind you of those great days. If you're younger, this is the history. This is what the great days looked like. Those days are gone now, but these memories are also dearly held. There are photos in this book that will stir the dark blue heart. Photos of Bremner. Baxter, Law and Johnston in the days when they strode the hand and turf before crowds of 120 or 130,000 fans. If you remember those days, this book will take you back to those days. If you want to know what it means to be a Scotland supporter, then you'll need this book to show you, not just tell you, what it means to be a Scotland supporter. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 50% discount on We Had a Dream at DC Thompson Shop 
uk using the code DREAM15 at checkout. That's D-R-E-A-M-1-5 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. Was like us. Yes, United, a uh, few wee transfer things to, to wrap up that have happened over the last couple of days. Uh, Dennis Mehmet, who is the number two goalkeeper at Tanaday C, has left for Dunfermline on a two-year deal. Uh, young defender Jake Davidson has also left to sign for Queen's Park. Um, Bear, you probably knew I was coming to you here, but mm-hmm. Dennis Mehmet, he's away. Um, he showed you know, what he can do towards the end of last season. Is that a bit of a loss for United, maybe? It's, it's a major you know, surprise. Segrist is... Yeah. Yeah, because Segrist is obviously a lot of speculation around him at the moment, too. I thought the bench would be off first. So, I'm not sure what Dennis Mehmet's thinking is, to be to be quite honest, because if if, if Benjamin Segrist, as, as we're all led to believe, will be leaving the club over the course of the next sort of four weeks or so, surely Dennis Mehmet must fancy his chances of, of finally... Getting a real run in the, in the Dundee United team now that's obviously not happening. So what does he know that we don't know? That's that's your boys. You boys have got to, you boys have got to fathom that one out. Um, but but good for him, eh? I, I think I think he's a, I think he's a quality keeper. And it's, a, it's a good signing for Dunfermline. He's a reliable reliable keeper, and that's what you need. You know, forget the guys who make brilliant saves one week and then let let one through their legs the next week. You know, you need somebody who's who's consistent. And Dennis is that. Um, but where it leaves Dundee United, I, I, I'm not so sure, Callum. I mean, if Benji goes, they must, they must have another couple of goalkeepers lined up. I mean, uh, pardon my ignorance, but who's who's the young guys at Tannadice now who's are on the periphery? They've got one, is it? Yeah, well, I, f- I think the plan now that now that Dennis is is gone is for the club to promote Jack Newman, who was sort of the yeah, third choice Newman. keeper. He's sort of, yeah. um, I think he's only about twenty, maybe twenty one. He yeah. would sort of be promoted to 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 the backup role sure. um, for the moment. But of course, we mentioned Seagrass there. There's been interest from Ipswich Town, who are uh, playing in League One in England. They had a six figure bid knocked yeah. back by uh, the Tangerines. Um, they're also meant to be chasing uh, Liam Kelly Dundee United going for him yeah uh, the you've, QPR got to think, you've, got to, you've got to think there is another goalkeeper yeah. on his way to Tannadice yeah. because I mean a big part of United's success last season was the goalkeeper you know Absolutely. and part of that that's that solid back four and it was because they had an understanding and that's that's what you need now it looks like Dundee United will be without their, their, their two keepers that they've been using for the last few seasons so they need to get somebody in quick so that they get, they get them in for these pre-season games which are coming up very, very quickly so that you get some understanding with the, with the new players and they get things sorted out before all the, the real action starts at the end of next month, you know. So, yeah, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised with Dennis why he didn't think he'd, he'd have a better opportunity at Tannadice. I, I don't know on that one, but maybe maybe he felt the time was right to, to move on. Sometimes you get a bit like that and uh, maybe Dunferman have given him a... We don't know what the contract situation is. Maybe he's 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 been given a, a longer contract at Dunfermline, a bit more security. So nah, good luck to him yeah. at, with the pars at a good club. Um it's just a pity he never really got an opportunity to show what he really could do at Tandis. Absolutely. I mean it's it's like you say, it's a it's a club with ambitions of getting back into the, the premiership. Um and it's a, it's gonna be a wide open championship next season, you'd imagine as well. So there's a very good chance of that. It's a two year deal for Dennis as well. So I suppose it gives him a bit of security and and he'll be looking to to try and secure a, a, the number one spot, I think you know at United he was always going to find that difficult with a, a keeper of uh, serious quality in front of him. Um, so no, that's an interesting one, George. But the the, the sort of the uncertainty surrounding some of these big players, Segrist, Edwards, Shankland, um, something that Tam Courts is going to have to resolve quick. And 
and try and get people in to, to either replace them or try and keep those guys there before the season starts because he needs to really hit the ground running and, and give himself the best opportunity. Definitely. And that's like Lee Wilkie in his column this week actually said said exactly that, that he wouldn't really fancy being in Tam Court's shoes right this time when he's just kind of getting his feet under the door when he's... These big players, there's there's question marks over whether you'll even have them to call on when the the real ball comes out in a few weeks' time. Um, I think it's a good sign though that United are knocking back uh, bids. It means that they're not just going to accept the first one that comes along. Uh, I think the club have never kind of hidden the fact that players will have a price and they're willing to sell if that price is, price is met but not letting players go on the cheap is a good sign I think but yeah it's a, it's a tricky one for the the new head coach I almost called him manager then I'm sure that would have annoyed a few United fans out there it's the the, the new system um, but the certainty is a massive thing in football and uncertainty just kind of breeds more uncertainty you find that sometimes and as I'm, I'm sure most managers in a perfect world would want their entire squad together at the first day of pre-season and then that's what they're working with, but it's, that never, ever happens. So it's, it's just, it's, I think it's going to be a learning curve for, for a young manager like, like Tam Courts. and it's something that I'm sure he's quite happy to deal with, uh, getting the chance to be in charge of such a, a massive club like Dundee United. Um, but I think you're absolutely right about him having to get off to a good start and it doesn't really help uh, not knowing what, what you, who your goalie is going to be or maybe they know that somebody's coming in to, to replace Segrist if somebody comes in or replace Dennis as well I think um, I think it's probably a good move for Dennis to Dunfermline Owen Fawn Williams has been decent there for, for a while I think Peter Grant's one two keepers that challenge each other so I think it's definitely a chance of first team football for him but no, definitely interesting times at United. Uh, I get the, I get the feeling they're going to have to bring some people in, uh, which they haven't really done over the past year or a couple yeah. in last season. So that, that I think that's the more important thing. I don't expect both Segrist. I probably I, I expect Segrist to probably go this summer. I think probably that's. I think most United fans are probably resigned to that with a, with a year left in his deal, and United want to get some money in for him. Uh, I think it's more important who they get in to replace him. Yep, United back in pre-season training as well, so they'll be able to um, get a look at, at what they've got and, and assess what they need going forward. Um, Mark Connolly is one who's he's working his way back from a, a really bad knee injury. He was he was ruled out um, for about four months towards the end of last season, picking up uh, a PCL tear um, at the front of his knee. And I spoke to him this week about his, his recovery and his rehab, and he seems to be... Um, Going down the right the right road, um, he's still in a in a really you know bionic looking knee brace sort of thing. Um, he's been in that for about six weeks. He's got another few weeks of that to go, and then he's going to try and aim to get back in September. Um, Bear, he's another sort of experienced player in their squad that they'll be looking to get back. They've got Mulgrew mm-hmm. in, they've got Reynolds, but you can never have enough guys like that. I mean, Connolly definitely falls into that category. No, exactly, exactly, Callum. Especially you know with the way United are going, there's going to be quite a number of youngsters. Um, being brought into the picture, uh, and again, I would say, I would I would say with, with Conley on the training ground, you could you could influence these these kids not just on the park. And I, I read your article, Carl, and it was brilliant. You know, and, and you know, if anybody deserves a bit of luck uh, next season in Scottish football, it's Mark Conley after the, the the twelve months he's had to endure um, 
with troubles uh, on the pitch and, and, you know, family matters as well, you know. So, yeah, it's been a real, real tough one for him, but he's a big character. My, you've spoken to him a few times, a number of times, Callum, so you know exactly what he's like, what he's like. And he, he's saying he's... He, He's looking. He's looking ahead. He's looking forward to getting himself back, fit, back in that United team, getting going again. You know, doing well for the club. And you know, I think it's, that's something United are going to need next season because there's going to be real, real questions asked to this this Dundee United team. And um, what we're seeing, um, certainly a, a new manager, lots of new faces coming through from the academy. Hopefully, one or two more additions. A goalkeeper and amongst that, or Mark Conley may have to <laughs> get the gloves on and play in the play in the goal when he comes back. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, somebody of his experience, you know, of his character is what the Tangerines will will definitely need next season. And I hope for the lad that you know, it all goes his, his rehab goes well. He gets himself fit and he gets himself back in the team. And next season is 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 one of good fortune for Mark Conley because if anybody deserves it, it's him. Absolutely. Um, they seem to be putting on, you know, a bit of a sort of united front, George, in terms of guys like Connolly, Reynolds, Shankland. We've seen recently coming out and in backing um, the new head coach, Tam Courts. He's sort of had a he's sort of critics and skeptics from you know the support from from elsewhere and in the media and, and lots of different people um, questioning the, the the you know why he was appointed and, and the process behind it. But um, it certainly seems like he's got the buy-in from the squad at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't imagine any of them would say anything different, though. That's the thing. Uh, new manager coming in, nah, he's he's no good. And then obviously you're not going to play, are you? No, you're so. not playing. <laughs> <laughs> but none of those guys are ever going to do that anyway. It's I think they've all they've all. It's not like it's somebody new coming in who they've never heard of, never met before. Obviously, they know they they know exactly what kind of guy Tam Courts is. They've worked with him for how long has he been at Tannadice? Couple of years, I think. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's been a, it's been a while. He's he's been mm. there for a decent amount of time, so it's not like he's just some random co- coming in off the street. So <laughs> you'll absolutely get the backing of the senior players, and you need yeah. that as well. You need to, you need the, the the kind of main, main men behind you, um, particularly when you're an uh, inexperienced manager. I, w- I would say because um, there's going to be loads of stuff that gets thrown at him that he's just never even thought of before. Uh, coming into the job um, and he'll need people behind him really experienced football people backing him to the hill um, but no I'm, I'm really interested to see how it all all happens for him uh, and once when does the first game kick off what not too long a couple of weeks yeah I think it's, it's just a couple of weeks to play weeks. you know Kelly Hartz he's, he's former team of course in the I in the cup up, could you? Uh-huh. yeah so so that'll be an interesting one to get his uh, career at United up and running. Bear, he's going to have to win over the support. That's that much is clear. Um, obviously, relations between the club and the fans have been a bit strained recently, and uh, one of the sort of key flashpoints has been the the Q and A session with with Tam, with, with the owner Mark Rogan and, and sporting director Tony Ashgar that that sort of didn't happen due to a, a disagreement between both parties over over the agenda. I think it was initially sort of pitched as a as a Q and A from. The Dundee United supporters group, who who represent multiple Dundee United fan groups, um, to the the sort of three key figures at the club, and um, their claim is that the the, the club came back and, and changed it so that there would be a wee chat beforehand from um, from Courts, Ogden, and Ashgar before there was a Q and A Q&A session, and then quite a few of the people who were meant to be there asking questions, the fans pulled out 
of the the meeting. Um, they don't need that going forward. Do they need to sort of find no. a way to get harmony? Because if they're going to have a good season next season, they need to all be singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, I mean, but Callum, we've heard this before at United, not not so long ago, when the the, the fans were at loggerheads with the, with the owners, and and then I thought that they solved it all. You know, I think. Uh, was it was it Asgard and Ogren have been signed up for the foundation and you know mm. it seemed to be there seemed to be harmony. Yeah. Um, well, the Dundee United supporters group that was the that was the yeah. the solution, wasn't it? To to yeah. the initial problem was to have this group yeah. representing the fans. And and there's obviously been a bit of cash gone from the fans groups to the to the team, you know, mm. as well during yeah, that period. Mm-hmm. And now for this question and answer, and it's some something that's. You know, it, it should be pretty straightforward, and I think it's been used a wee bit as a, a political football now. You know, the fans group have, have taken the cream puff a wee bit and decided, but to, to to not sort of show up, and obviously we latch onto that as as a newspaper and as as, as broadcasters, and and you know we're gonna we're gonna sort of you know comment on that, and it looks like there is now another rift right down the middle between the the fans group. And the owners of the club, and we're, we're a month away from the start of the new season, and that is bad, bad news because that's the last thing that that it's the last thing Dun United need. It's the last thing Tom Courts need. A new manager in the job, you know, grumblings from the, the supporters who he's going to need them on board big style next season, right from the off, mm. and backing him one hundred percent. And at this point in time, you know, with less than four weeks to, or, or four weeks or so to go at the start of the the, the, the Premier season, you know, it's six weeks to go it's it's just not where you want to be and you know I think they should all get their their heads around the table Callum you know and get it get it sorted pretty quickly because um, you know it's never good for a football club when the supporters are are, are, are singing from a different hymn sheet as, as the owners you know and that's because very quickly if things aren't going well well Tom Courts will be getting it in the neck they won't stop there, the fans. They'll very quickly turn their attention to the boardroom and to the owners, you know, and that's that's nowhere you want to be. And, and you know, we're, we're talking as well, United are, are in it, you know, they are in a state of flux in terms of what's going on in, in a managerial sense and, yeah. you know, behind the scenes as well. But we don't know. I mean, a good set of results at the start of the season could change things. We all know that results results change fans' perspective. But you, you need the fans and the club together more so nowadays than ever before and it's it's no great place to be at this point in time Callum No it's not no you're right I think also they need to, to get to a, a place of, of agreement um, for, for the better of the club and I think that's the thing both parties clearly do want what's best for the club and, and they maybe just don't agree with what, what the best course of action is the club um, think that, that you know appointing this manager and, and doing things a certain way with their business and their, their football um, is the way to go and, and fans maybe have you know questions about that and some disagree some are waiting to see what happens um, but the the main thing is it's it's disruptive it is disruptive and, and for a new young manager you know just starting pre-season want to get on the training pitch and, and work with his players and see what he needs to do to, to strengthen the team he doesn't need that does he so um, it's it's a, it's a precarious situation and hopefully one that can be solved with a a resolution um, that suits everyone involved and, and sees the club um, move on from strength to strength. Um, across the street at Dundee, things are certainly looking rosy. Yes, no such drama at Dens Park. It's a strange sensation, as I keep saying in this podcast, to have things looking 
looking good at Dundee and, and we're talking about sort of uh, problems elsewhere but uh, again we'll do a wee, a wee transfer update um, soon as we're in the height of the summer at Dens Park uh, it was broke <laughs> live news on this podcast last week Ryan Sweeney coming in um, to the club from, from Mansfield Town big defender um, Josh Milligan and Lyle Cameron youngsters away to Peterhead on loan and Callum Moore has turned down a new deal with the Dark Blues to exit the club George um, you spoke to Ryan Sweeney I believe um Already new signing. What's your impressions of him? Early doors. He's a big lad, um, <laughs> conf- constant lad. He, he actually uh, he revealed that uh, Callum Butcher was a big part in um, him making the move up here because they they played together at Mansfield. Aye, right enough, yeah. And so he, before he came up, he phoned Callum Butcher and got the lay of the land, what Dundee was like, and uh, it seems like the United guy. Never our favourite of Dundee fans, but he's he's maybe done them a favour by helping them get a defender in. Uh, <laughs> see how he gets on. But he also knows Charlie Adam from his time at Stoke as well. So right, I, I, right. Charlie was giving him uh, the the hard sell, I think, for uh, <laughs> for how amazing Dundee is. As you can I think imagine. Dundee fans Charlie. will probably take more solace in the fact that Charlie Adam is trying to convince him to come up. Because if Callum Butchers convinced him to come up, Butchers may be sitting thinking, "This guy's rubbish. I get him up. That's fine. <laughs> I'm sure he's not, but." Um, no, yeah. carry on, carry on. <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, well, the, he said he's run through a brick wall for, for the team, which kind of maybe suggests he's a full blooded kind of defender. It might be something yeah. a wee bit different from what they've got. Uh, it was certainly a position that James McPeak was linked to fill uh, pretty quickly. He said he identified uh, Sweeney quite early. He was, he was known by obviously Charlie, uh, Adam, and they'd seen him before. Ben Turner as well, McPeak kind of name checked. Said yeah. he was a guy McPeak knew from his, his time down south, and he played with played with Ryan Sweeney as well. So there's, there's plenty. He's done plenty of back, background on him. So uh, it seems like a, a a good fit in terms of his attitude. He seems ready to go. He's, he's well up for the challenge, um, and he's got a job on. I think to maybe dislodge Ashcroft and Fontaine, but. Fontaine probably unlikely to play every game every week. So yeah. United certainly United. God, too used to talking about Callum Butcher and the United. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, and did he certainly need another number, another person in there? Because McPeak said, or he kind of confirmed that Jordan McGee would would be a midfielder this season. They wouldn't be mm-hmm. considering him as a centre centre back or defender unless something major happens. Yeah, and he's a good age, Sweeney as well. He's one that you know, you know. You say Fontaine might not play every game, obviously. Um, you know, on the older end of the spectrum, but but Sweeney is one to maybe look to develop over the next couple of seasons. And and you know, if he does really well, he's got selling value. Ah, uh, he's twenty four. He's played a lot of games as well, which is always mm-hmm. good. Uh, at kind of young age, he's played under under twenty one football with the Republic of Ireland. He had a big move to Stoke, so that's always even though it didn't really work out. They were a Premier League club at that time. They spent two hundred fifty grand on him and got the movie. He didn't manage to play a game for Stoke, but that adds to the experience. I always find that maybe a wee bit of disappointment, or the players got close to the big time. They they kind of see what it takes to to make it to that level. So he's certainly, I think, looking forward to maybe playing in a league that's got a lot more. Um, Kind of scrutiny and media scrutiny when he'd be taking on Rangers and Celtic, and obviously the, the derby would really be up against his, his old teammate Butcher. 
could be interesting if those two are in a 50-50. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if this boy can run through brick walls. Um, I've, I've seen Callum Butcher <laughs> boot down a few players, so um, we'll we'll see we'll see how that one goes. Um, Callum, it, Callum, it could be one of those ones where the ball's sitting there in the middle, and the two of them are running towards it. When you've just got to put your hands over your eyes, like <laughs> yeah. you know, just whole, you know, and just you know, someone's going to be a here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. George, yeah. did you actually did you actually see him in the flesh, or were you on a Zoom? Call no, I was up there at training. Is he a big? Is he a big? Is he a big lad? What's ah, he's physically? He's, uh, he's about the same height as me, I think. Yeah, I'm six right. foot five, okay. so he's about that. Yeah. But he's probably about twice the width of me. Obviously, yeah. I'm a skinny rake, so <laughs> I'm not saying he's fat to be fair. at all. He's a big lad. Uh, I'm confident. <laughs> he seems confident. So we'll have, I've no, we'll have to wait and see what he's like on the pitch. But he seems like a, a good fit. Good news, he's uh, good news. He's not built like the side of a fiver, George. That's good. Um, <laughs> terms of the terms of the kids, Josh Mulligan. Um, he's had a really tough time with injury, of course, and Lyle Cameron going out on loan. Cal Moore opting not to sign on at, at Dundee. Three young players that hopefully the, the two lads coming back find you know um, a place in the team there. But obviously, wish Callum the best as well moving on and, and to the rest of his career so a fair play to the lad sometimes you've got to take difficult decisions to move your career on I mean, and that could be in any <laughs> any form of, of workplace um, I'm not saying anything to you two right enough but uh, <laughs> um, yeah sometimes you find that you, you find sometimes you, you, you find the, the path blocked you know and so you have to go and look after yourself and he obviously feels confident enough in his own ability to go and get a club and, and to go and move his career forward and you know, sometimes that's the best way. That's the best way to do that, rather than sort of stagnate, because you get to an age in football where, basically, if you're not playing first team games, competitive games, then others will go past you. There's no doubt about that. Others will go past where you're at. You need to continue to develop, and that, you only get that by playing first team football somewhere. So I'm sure, I'm sure he'll get, he's got someone lined up, and you'll 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 get that opportunity. As for the two young lads, I think they did well up at uh, uh, Peterhead. Uh, last season, Jim yeah. Jim McNally was waxing lyrical about them, and so it's a good fit for them. They'll they'll get more game time um, up there, and you'd like to think over the course of the season, whether it be you know Christmas time or or certainly towards the end of the season, that they will be ready to come back in and, and you know start pushing for a place in the Dundee first team because that's that's really what it's it's all about. We saw Lyle Cameron coming in, and he, he was actually I think the first game. Well, he'd been on the bench a few times, but I saw him at Dunfermline uh, last yeah. season, and it was a bad night for Dundee. And unfortunately for Lyle, the game sort of passed him by. You know, he was a, a victim more than anything else—a a poor Dundee performance that night. Um, but he, he looks—he looks a wee bit off it um, in terms of physical uh, stature. And he's never going to be—he's never going to be Ryan Sweeney. <laughs> he's not going to change that. <laughs> but even in the midfield, you need to have a, a physical strength to hold your own at, at that level. And I think he will get that by by playing it in, yeah. in real sort of competitive football up in the blue tune with Peter Head. So, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Looking at the the transfer window for for Dundee, George, I read your your piece with uh, James McPake and his pre-season plans. I found it interesting that he's, of, of course, looking for quality players to add, but he's looking for players with the right attitude as well to join what's already a, a group that seems to have a lot of harmony with each other and, and there's a, a successful um, sort of platform to be building from. He's, he's obviously looking for characters as well as footballers. Yeah, that's, that's certainly something they've worked really hard on. Uh, every, every time you ask about a transfer story or what they might be looking for in the future, the, the word character is one that James Pick always goes back to. I think he's... It's 
obviously something throughout his playing career he he noticed was it was such a, a massive thing in a a dressing room and having everyone together and kind of engineering that that team spirit and you could see with Dundee last season obviously struggled for a lot this season to get their form together but when it started going you could just see them all come together and James McPick actually said that when I was up at training that he was amazed at how well the, the players kind of did that and the kind of the spirit and the, and the energy they had about them uh, enjoying playing with each other, considering that they, they weren't allowed in dressing rooms at all really last season. Yeah. Uh, turned up to training already kitted out. You left in your own car without showering and all that sort of stuff mm. and, and games and stuff. You weren't sitting as players usually would in a dressing room every day or just uh, talking nonsense and having a go at each other and taking it, taking the mickey. Um so I think they had to work really hard at doing that, but it seemed to really pay off. And I think that comes down to bringing in... So uh, success in football is always about recruitment, whether it's you bring in the best players or you bring in really good characters. And I think James Pekin and his Dundee staff have kind of tried to uh, find the, the balance between that. Uh, they brought in this summer... Uh, Luke McCowan has obviously done very yeah. well in the Championship, but speaking to him, he's... He seems like the perfect type to bring in a dressing room like that. He's quite a confident lad, but he's quite chirpy and, and likes to chat. And uh, he's quite a, a kind of seems like a kind of happy-go-lucky kind of kind of guy that I I can imagine will fit in perfectly at a club like Dundee that is coming together the way they are. So yeah. I, I, and he's a he's a lifeguard. So if any balls kind of go into the, into the tee from Riverside, he's, he's a good swimmer so he can jump in and retrieve them. So well, I, I we saw that last <laughs> last season when they went to the beach at the Brighty Ferry for a bit training and uh, yeah. the ball ended up in the sea. So uh might be handy. He, never right. handy. he says he, he never he never loses it, he said, he told us. So School for life. What was it? The big man's coming in or something? What was his quote again? <laughs> yeah. in, com- in comes the big man. In comes the big man. He, I think he's about five foot eight as well. <laughs> You like that confidence. You like that confidence. Um, Another young player who's joined Dundee in pre-season training is a lad called Corey Panther. Can you tell us a bit more about him, George? Has an interesting name, certainly Corey Panther. I like it. But um, Dundee got him in on trials of you to 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 maybe join on on loan. Yeah, Panther is is interesting one. That's definitely how I'm feeling sitting in this conservatory (laughs) after almost an hour. It's absolutely boiling in here. Um, um, looking at his history, I mean, it's, he's not played a huge amount of football. He's come through the development kind of team at Luton, and they've just signed him on a, a, a new deal. They want him to get first team football. I think I get the feeling Dundee are just having a look at him, um, whether or not it, it, it's like a trial. It's, it's a weird thing, obviously, because it's a, yeah. a loan. But Dundee, I, I think, are needing a, another left back or somebody to play back up to Jordan Marshall. So. That's the kind of position they're looking at. Whether or not he's going to be the man, we'll have to wait and see. I, I get the feeling uh, he, he may not be, but I've never seen him play. So Dundee are just having a look at him. He's played, his history is playing in non-league, uh, I think the seventh tier or something in England. So he's not got a huge amount of experience. He's obviously needing that. I think Luton quite like him. And they're a cha- obviously an English championship club. Um I got the feeling that with Luton Town kind of announcing it on their social media that Dundee weren't quite so keen to announce it on theirs. Uh, 
the fact that they, they were just having a look at him to see what he was like before even making any decision on him whether he would, mm. he would arrive on loan or not. So that's a long way of saying that. I, I don't know much about him. So, George, is he not? He's, he's not on loan then, as such. He's just on trial, as things stand. No. It, yeah, trial with a view to a loan deal. Uh, so, Dundee are just having a look at him to see, what, see what's there. Um, and I guess we'll wait and see. But, never mind, they may get a run out on, on Saturday. Dundee are at Forfer. Uh, only feels like the other day they were at Rugby Park, didn't it, Bear? Well, it does. We're still, we're still celebrating that one, George. It's <laughs> all going for a bit yet. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly it, it's come around. But good, it's good for us because obviously now Scotland are at the, the European Championship. We're going to have to write about something, and it's not going to be England, that's for sure. So uh, <laughs> perfectly time for me. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm well up for a, another be, match on Saturday. It'll be uh, yeah. Are you up there on Saturday? Yeah, I shall be. Well, I have to find out if they're going to let me in. But that, right, yeah, I I will be at Station Park. Yeah. Uh, Dundee, obviously, the forefront have got Gary Oven in charge now. Gary Arkins on the bench. Scott Robertson yeah. is still the youth coach, but he's a forfer coach. So people are wondering if he's going to be stuck in between the dugouts during that game. Uh, uh, do you know what? It's really unfortunate that they're not letting fans in because that's the sort of game that you would have had yeah. quite a number of Dundee fans would have made. It's only sort of twelve or thirty miles up the road, you know. So I, th- I think quite so, a number of Dundee yeah. fans. I think some forfer fans might get in. Right, okay. Um, Especially with the Dundee connection as well, you know, Gary Harkins exactly. being there and Gary Irvin, you know, in charge. That would have been it would have been good to see and it's always good to see a few new faces at Dens as well. I know they've still got one or two to add, but um, you know, they might have seen the boys Sweeney for the first time and and the 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 thing as well, George, the fans haven't really been able to show their appreciation of just what Dundee did last yeah. season. You know, that the great run they had towards the end of this season, you know, everybody was standing clapping them in front of their TV screen effectively saying <laughs> well done but everybody's waiting for that day when we can actually get back in and you know give them give them just sort of you know recognition for what they did and so hopefully that'll come sooner rather than later that's yeah. the thing they, they ended up celebrating in front of 500 very unhappy Kilmarnock fans so yeah uh, on yeah, that, that, I know. that final game but obviously they've got a couple of decent uh, friendlies coming up with Leighton Orient uh, at the end and in West Ham it'll be an interesting one I don't know what kind of players th- they might have uh, obviously with the Euros on it might be similar to remember Man City coming a few years back when mm-hmm. the boys that were at the World Cup weren't playing but we'll see what West Ham have got but I think I th- the feeling is it may be different it, obviously Dundee's coronavirus figures aren't, aren't the best at the moment mm-hmm. uh, I think Dundee are preparing maybe for 500 at each of those games again um, with a kind of similar yeah Similar setup to what I mean, obviously, obviously, we're we're seeing in England um, they're setting you know targets sixty thousand at Wembley and things like that. But if if that goes to plan and and they do that, and then you know a further month down the line, things haven't really got out of hand in terms of the virus. You'd like to think that Scottish football by the time August September comes around, surely we can start getting fans back into the, the stadiums. I would hope so. Certainly, home fans. I think it may be a while before we get away fans again, just with the whole travelling. Uh, well, obviously travelling, but uh, I get I get that feeling that it's it's going to be a home fans for a while. It just depends how the numbers. Are. I think the uh, if we get to was it is a level zero. I think the numbers are going to go up from the max of two thousand. I think it's going to be it's mm. going to be a lot higher than that. So I think. It's we do look like we're we're getting closer, but then the coronavirus numbers keep 
uh, drifting up uh, in the wrong direction, so that, which then pushes it back. So it's, it's really difficult to tell, but it was such what a difference it was in that playoff final. Uh, both both legs having fans, although obviously mm-hmm. the Kelly fans were extremely grumpy, uh, but the Dundee fans absolutely rode their team on in that yeah. first leg, and it was I only five hundred. I think, I think the, the players amazing. the players love it as well. I mean, yeah. there's sort of Charlie Adams scoring it in front of the the Bobby Cox stand, you know, with some fans in it for the first time, and uh, Paul McGowan enjoyed. Dundee scoring down at Kilmarnock as he went to the Kilmarnock <laughs> fans and, and told them what he thought about them as well. You know, just talking about Charlie Adam, obviously he's won the won the the, the championship uh, player of the year, which is it seems a wee bit it seems I missed a, missed a trick a wee bit in terms of the timing of it all. We're almost starting the new season and they've just sort of announced this. Uh, um, it feels like they maybe maybe forgot to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, right. I have no information on that, but yeah. it just feels like they were like uh, all the fixtures are coming oh no we've not done a championship player of the year who's it going to be and then pick Charlie yeah yeah. not that well, he didn't deserve it no I think he did he, he, he brought he brought life to the Dundee team and uh, it's great to see that he's he, he seems really up for now a, a season in the yeah. in the premiership and he's, he's I think he, I think you know what George I think he's got a point to prove he seems to have there's a lot of people writing him off and saying oh, he's not got mm. the legs for this sort of level of football but Charlie Adam will like nothing better than that won't he yeah, and the the good thing is, uh, we're talking about this on Monday actually up at the the training ground because he didn't get a proper preseason last last what well, was the end of the summer the autumn, but he arrived mm-hmm. later than that's right. Yep. Dundee had already started, and Charlie Adam was training on his own. So both he and James McPeak think that he's going to be even better this season because he'll have a pre proper preseason behind him. And then Charlie said at his age, he certainly needs it, even though he yeah. didn't particularly enjoy starting uh, pre-season <laughs> the other day. Um, but, I mean, that's an enticing prospect for Dundee fans. When they, yeah. when they finally get to see him in the flesh, hopefully, uh, yeah. then he'll be, might he's, be in even better yeah. shape than he was last year. I, I think, I mean, he's had a few special moments throughout his career. But I, I think he's he's hopefully still got one or two more still to come um, at Dens Park, and I'm sure obviously doesn't he'd like nothing more than scoring in a derby match. That would that would sort of that would sort of make his day. I'm, I've no doubt about that, you know. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. It's great to see that he's up for it, um, mm-hmm. you know. And but whether he plays every week, Dundee have got an embarrassment of riches in the <laughs> middle of that park, or an embarrassment of bodies have got to say certainly. I mean, there's, there's loads of them trying to get in there, so. That's a job and a half for, for James McPake, isn't it? Exactly. And they, they had Finn Robertson's back as well. There's, there's another, yep, yep. another name that Dundee fans are desperate to hear about. So um, I think it's all all bodes well for Dundee uh, ahead of the new season. We'll, uh, we'll see how they do on Saturday. Uh, uh, Forfar, can't wait for the derbies. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have fans at both ends for that one. It, it's September. Uh a wee bit down the road, so fingers crossed for that. A great game, see Charlie Adam in that, and whoever the new faces are for both clubs. In case you haven't noticed, we lost uh, Callum at the end of this uh, recording. Uh, some people might be happy about that, I don't know. Uh, I can't hear too much cheering out there, but uh, hopefully we'll get him back for next week, and hopefully we'll, you'll be listening to us once more. So we'll see you next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us.
Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.